Good morning, Little Saigon, Seattle. It is October the 28th, 2019. It is approximately 6.30 a.m. here on the Pacific Standard Time. Out there in deep space, we really don't know what time it is, but it is fucking Monday. Monday, October the 28th, 2019, and this is the Little Saigon Report. And the state of Little Saigon is fine, it's fine currently, but it is Monday. A lot of you guys are heading to work on that 5.45, it's the 5.45 to Redmond, it's Monday. Someone, get me on the 5.45, it's Monday? Someone get me on that bus ride, get me on that train ride, that train ride home, that home, back home to the, to the company store. I will travel to that monstrosity and I will open the door. Patricia, who is the receptionist, will see me at the desk and she'll say, Good morning. Happy Monday. She's a Satanist. And then Bob, after talking about the Seahawks game, will say, Hey, hey, pal. Happy Monday. It's fun day. And you'll imagine bringing your knife to work the next day and shoving it through Bob's skull. Happy Monday. You get to your desk and you have an email waiting for you. It's from your boss. It's talking about the project and wants to know why it's behind schedule and why you couldn't come to work this weekend. And you get up from your desk, you make your way to the elevator. There are 10 floors on this building, thank God. You make your way to the top floor. get to the you get to the roof of the building and you're looking out and it's a windy a windy day here in Washington state but it's not the wind of your youth it's a dark toxic wind of bullshit blowing from all directions it's a lie and up on that roof you look out into the distance and you see a a weird dark sun rising over the horizon and you feel the intense heat, the heat of the incompetence, the mediocrity, the giant wave of human failure that is heading this direction. You feel the, the heat and the cold and the fearsome tearing, the shearing, 
the crystals and the daggers, the fires and the ice. You feel it. You know what's coming, buddy. You know it because you feel it in your lungs. Whatever bungus they're dropping from the sky, it burns your lungs. They won't tell you that ultraviolet C is making it to the Earth's surface. They won't tell you that. But when the sun does open up on this Monday, your skin begins to burn even though you're freezing. Happy Monday? Happy Monday? But then looking out across that horizon, you remember a simple fact. That we are all participating in a kind of collective insanity. We call it civilization, and that's funny. I think that's funny. We call it civilization. Technically, the root word of civilization in, in Latin terms refers to city-states, people that live in cities. That's it. Civilization is about cities. It isn't about society. It isn't about people having culture. You can have culture, you can have language, you can have societies without having megacities. You actually can. In fact, you can have societies without having empires. You can have incredibly awesome, incredibly cool technological civilizations without having magical crocodiles that you worship and you vote for every few years. But this is Monday, and you know in your heart that you can make it through the day or you could go home. It's not the end of the world. This world may be a brutally dark and cold place sometimes, but the human heart, if you, if you keep yourself alive, the human heart, that fire never ends. <laughs> First fucking topic, despite that it's Monday. Okay, first topic. I went on to Minds.com. I, I got to take a drink of water here to discombulate my, my, my voice tractus. There we go. little globulate of water to clean out the glumbus that forms up in my throat now. It, it's really quite toxic. There's some type of mold going around. It happens to have the same name my favorite hooker, Candida Surprise. Candida surprise. Anyways, um, yeah, I went on to Minds.com in part because my nephew, who I love, my nephew's awesome. If you're not aware of this, I have more than one nephew, but I'll say nephew so that I don't give away his exact position. That being said, my nephew, who is now in the Queensley Navy, on his way back home being chased by the forces of, well, technically the good guys because we're the pirates. <laughs> but he'll make it home for Thanksgiving and he'll forget about it. That's the way the secret space program works. When my sister and her husband show up in, you know, I think South Carolina, right? For Thanksgiving, they'll ask him about the, the battles beyond the stars and he'll say, I don't know about this because he doesn't. They erase it. They erase it. They compartmentalize. They download his true self while reserving the extra derivative self that was part of the battles in space in a hard drive. Yeah. He recommended I go into Minds.com. Now, you guys got to know something. Prior to 2012, prior to my sister Nancy dying of cancer, 
I did not touch social media with a 12-foot pole. I thought it was bullshit. I thought it was a dark, a dark, dark cavern. I thought it was kind of destroying human society. I'll be honest with you folks. I think social media is destroying human society. People think it's a good thing, but even in the best of all worlds, like I go into Minds, and here's the thing. I think Minds.com, if you're gonna do social media, I'll give you the same advice I give smokers. If you're gonna smoke cigarettes, smoke American Spirit because I don't think they're as toxic as the other kind. So, and that's how I describe Minds.com. If you're gonna go onto social media, I can honestly state this. It's probably, you know, the American Spirit cigarettes equivalent for social media. That being said, okay, I deleted my Minds account. You know, I, I turned it off, I deactivated it. Hopefully it's gone forever. Um, I went on to Minds because my nephew said it might help me promote my podcast. I don't know. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Truly, a lot of the accounts that get created on social media, and I'm not blaming Minds because people are clever, and also there's kind of a perverse incentive to assume that an account is real when it's not. I mean, everybody wants these account numbers. Everybody wants these quote-unquote looks, right, to sell ad space. So I kind of get it from both perspectives. But the bottom line is this. If, if I see that there are 500 people who subscribe to me, based upon my knowledge of how social media works and based upon the fact that I'm a software engineer and I know a few things about creating autonomous agents, you know, autonomous agents, basically machine intelligence, blah, blah, blah. Given that I know these things, I know that out of that 500 and change, probably maybe 50 or a hundred are real. The rest are either bots or slave bots. You know, bots are people that are running basically little armies, so it sort of looks like there's a person there because every once in a while you do, you talk to a person, but most of the time it's just a bot posting shit. And and also, I suspected that there might be the, the current equivalent of what's called a number station operating on some of these uh, channels like mines because some of these fucking you know these users all they would do is post tractors pictures of tractors pictures of fucking tractors I'm thinking why would you do that well one reason would be stego encryption like if you want to broadcast information to a huge number of people but you'd want it to be relatively stealthy and when I say stego you still need to do what I call double level envelope which means if you're gonna use stego make sure that there's a deeper encryption <laughs> Okay, but anyways, with Stego, you just adjust, the, basically you adjust the, the, the pixel RGB, the colors, at a pixel level so that you would never notice it by looking at it, but in the fucking image, a message is embedded. You know, you do the difference. If I have two images and one of them gets manipulated a little bit, you take the difference, that gives you the embedded message. And if that message is further encrypted, it's a pretty fucking cool way to send messages around. So I don't know. Minds.com is interesting, but I'm no longer on it. I know I said I was going to go on it. I did. I was on it since July. Um, I met a few people that were probably cool people. And I ran into a lot of people that I, I won't really miss. And I'll say this. Not much has changed since I was last on social media. You know, in general, it's the same bullshit being broadcasted by everybody. And in a lot of ways, 
even if social media works, it's a lot like being in an auditorium where everybody's screaming at the same time. It's fine. If you like that sort of thing, a lot of people do. I frankly think it drives people crazy. So here's the deal. I am I deleted my Minds account, not because I think Minds is bullshit. I think Minds.com, as social media goes, Minds.com is probably far from the worst, okay? I don't want to get into the whole crypto bullshit thing because that's its own special thing. And I beat up on the blockchain enough. And for those of you out there, why would you beat up on the blockchain? You know what? If everybody loved it, I'd want at least one person beating up on it, you fuck. Okay? I know you think it's a fucking, I know you define your anarchism, some of you, in terms of the fact that you have a Bitcoin wallet. I'm telling you right now, that's stupid. It really is. It would be like a carpenter who is an anarchist defining his or her anarchism in terms of the fact that they have a hammer. It makes no fucking sense. So please, please, please stop this bullshit. Because if you're connecting your anarchism to a form of technology, you are tying an anchor around your neck. Technology changes, folks. Oh, did no one tell you that bullshit when you bought into the blockchain? Mm. That's funny. That's cute, really. It's cute that the high-tech people who support the blockchain didn't tell you that one of the features of high technology and shit is that it changes over time and fuck. Anyways. And yeah, I'm switching it up with the keyboard. This Roland has lots of settings, and so sometimes I do the organ. But today I'm doing something called Pop Bell on the piano selection menu. Pop, I guess Pop, pop Music Bell Piano. It's got a weird kind of dark, lingering creepiness to it, right? Unlike a regular piano or organ. Anyways, I deleted my Minds account, and I'll tell you something else, too, about this. I, I have, in recent years, since my basic choice of saying social media is bullshit, and this recent foray into Minds has not changed this, I have periodically done something I call porpoising. And what that means is, is that I'll, I will create an account just to see what's going on, like to see if I'm missing anything. I'm not actually missing anything. The basic conversations about Trump and Hillary and fucking all the, the dozen or more fucking Democrat candidates for president, ugh, it's the same fucking shit from 2016. And if you're an anarchist and you have to see this shit all fucking day long, yeah, you end up liking shit you know you shouldn't. Like, because, because that's the thing, great lies, the best lies contain some truths. And there's a lot of shit that people who support Trump will say that, frankly, I as an anarchist support. For example, you have a right to defend yourself with a firearm. Period. Okay, end of sentence. This whole debate about what a gun is is stupid. Okay, our founding fathers were not idiots. In their own time, they saw radical changes in firearm technology. They did. Believe it or not, Lewis and Clark took an air rifle with them. That was a repeating rifle, a repeating air rifle. I think it was pretty close to 50 caliber, or at least 30 caliber. And the thing was fucking slick. Does, I think it was an, an Austrian design. And this was the early 19th century. 
So this whole thing about how assault rifles are special. Listen, Remington made a semi-automatic carbine more than 100 years ago that could take a multi-capacity magazine. Oh, did nobody tell you that? Now, it wasn't gas-operated, which means you had to be better at keeping your weapon clean. Okay, the great thing about gas-operated weapons is that they can tend to be a bit more resilient when it comes to a weapon getting a little dirty. But the bottom line is this. There was a Remington semi-automatic rifle that you could purchase 100 years ago that could take a banana clip. This multi-capacity magazine. So, so Trump people, Trump people will say shit on social media that I will say, I kind of agree with this, you know? I kind of agree with this. And then they'll say bullshit that's really sort of that denial, anger, bargaining bullshit. And then there's Q. Magical Q. Special Q. That is a psyop. I can't believe people get suckered by it, but I, I'm not surprised it exists. The fact is there's a core component of Trump supporters who are highly dubious of the bullshit. And so you needed, you needed something like a make-believe um, breadcrumb trail, like Q, and these little cryptic messages. Oh man, you know, there's gonna be some big event coming. Honestly, folks, I think Q is total bullshit, and if you listen to the Q shit, you're fucking getting suckered. This idea that there are good tyrants is bullshit. This idea that there are good people in the deep state is bullshit. The state itself is evil. The closest thing you're going to come to the physical manifestation of the Antichrist in the modern world is the modern government, period. And yeah, sure, somebody might stand up and say, I am the Antichrist. But the reality is this, that machine, that mechanism, that unholy, inhuman structure called government, and I sometimes call it the crocodile, that monster we call government, um, yeah, it is kind of like the Antichrist. So no, I... I don't know what to tell you guys, folks. I like Minds.com, but it's filled mostly with either a lot of these Trump people, or, it's, or even when it comes to the anarchists. And not all of them, but some of them. And I don't want to beat up on the crypto anarchists, but even when it comes to the anarchists, it's a lot of crypto nonsense, or what's as bad or worse, and i got to be blunt about this, this weird infatuation that some ANCAP people have with Pinochet and dictators in general. Like, wouldn't it be great to have a military strongman in charge? Folks, That's if you're an anarchist, that's really crazy thinking. Okay? I know a little bit about some of these dirty wars that happened in Chile and Argentina back in the 80s. I worked with a major from the, from the um, Argentinian military when I was in the service. He was an exchange officer. And I gotta tell you guys, folks, anarchists, they're the ones that end up in the fucking soccer stadium first. And they're the ones that usually get butt-raped by several people first, male or female. They don't care. When they start, when, when, the, when the military juntas start torturing people, there, there's not a concept of being polite or differentiating abuse. You will get tortured. You will get abused. Some of you will end up having your organs sold. Some of you will end up in white slavery. That is what military juntas do to anarchists. And yeah, they do it to communists too. Guess what? 
The military people are that fucking stupid because they are themselves, guess what, communists. So when you talk to them, talk to them about liberty or dignity, about how you, you know, have rights, they actually hate you more than they hate the communists. That's the reality of the military junta and anarchist. If you're an anarchist who thinks it would be really, really cool to have some good old-fashioned Pinochet action, you are a fucking crazy person. So yeah, I went on Minds.com and, and I found the same Keck, that's K-E-K bullshit, the same frog worship, the same lies, the same fucking manipulation. And, I, and I, you know what? That's social media everywhere. That's Twitter. That's fucking Facebook. That's all of it. A big, noisy asylum. So yeah, I deleted my Minds account. So if you're wondering what happened to Dr. Freckles at Minds.com, or I should say Minds.com slash at Dr. Freckles, if you're wondering what, what happened to at Dr. Freckles, well, Dr. Freckles porpoised his head, you know, out of his own relative calm and silence into the madness, the cacophony of chaos that is social media. And like a good porpoise, once I saw that it was nothing but pirates and midget monsters and gromulan knights and various Gungus kings, I got the fuck out. Next topic. I was looking at Zero Hedge today. Isn't that original? If you don't know, about the only news feed I can stomach at this point is Zero Hedge, and even Zero Hedge sometimes, I don't know, drives me crazy. So crazy, I will ship post. If you're a Zero Hedge reader and you see Little Saigon ship post and you say, why is he ship posting? Sometimes I do it. I'm sorry. I'll, but you know what? Why am I apologizing? That whole comment section is one giant ship post. In fact, the, the apology is the problem. Anyways, next topic. Anyways, I'm reading Zero Hedge today. And and the the um, headline, one of the headlines was, Trump says today's going to be a good market day. Trump said today is going to be a good market day. Really good for the market today. And some of you probably think, well, isn't that great that the president is saying things like... No, it isn't. It isn't. I don't give a shit. First, if you participate in casinos, I want you to go broke if you go broke. I don't want to see you operating side shady money laundering crap where you don't even know who owns what stock at the end of the day. No, no, no. I want you to have your fucking casinos and I don't want to have anything to do with them. I don't want to have a regulatory agency pretending that it's it's all ethical. That's bullshit. I don't want any of that crap. Let you have your casinos. I will let you have your casinos. I will let you go broke. Just like every other schmuck should, should go broke. That's what I think about the markets. Now, do we have markets right now? No, we don't. Not since too big to fail. Not since that bullshit. 
So Trump comes out and says, well, today's going to be a great market day. And, you know, some people, like I said, will say, well, that's great. He's talking up the economy. That's good. Yeah. That's basically neo-Stalinism. Now, let, let me explain what I mean by Stalinism in economic terms. Joseph Stalin was the first, I guess, premier of the Soviet Union, the first leader of the Soviet Union when he took control in 1928. After taking out his opposition, after driving Trotsky into exile, Stalin took control in 1927-28, more or less. And in 1928, I think they had their first five-year plan. And they estimated how many bushels of wheat they would need in 1932, and they estimated how many tractors they would need in 1932, excuse me, 33. And they, and they had these huge estimates. Oh, we need this many tractors and this many fucking bushels of wheat and probably this many radios that have one channel. No dial. Why would you need a dial with a Soviet radio? You get a channel. It's a Soviet channel. <laughs> yeah, and, and as you may or may not realize, um... A lot of people ended up starving. It wasn't just the Ukrainians, okay, folks. A lot of people starved during that period because of this amazing central planning. It was bullshit. It could not work. It cannot work. It is impossible, okay? Some people call this the calculation problem in economics. What I will tell you is it's also called the operating systems problem. Because if you could literally design an operating system that could predict the future needs of a process, you would revolutionize computer science. But it's technically impossible. Although, I don't know, with quantum computing, who knows? Although I think that's going to turn out to be a lot more bullshit than people realize. They solved a 10,000-year problem in 200 seconds. Oh, it was a two-day problem. Oh, maybe it was more bullshit than most people realize. Anyways. When Trump goes on zero, when, on zero, when Trump comes out and says things like, today's going to be a great market day, whether or not there's manipulation, and I know there is, I, I can't prove it because I'm a schmuck. I'm an ordinary schmuck like you. I'm an ordinary, you know, dude, a mook, a hobo, a freak. I live on the edge. I have no resources. I will consume whatever Chevron will provide me with. But yeah, I think the markets are heavily manipulated. And so when he says this, it reminds me of Joseph Stalin. It reminds me of that kind of central planning bullshit. Oh, today is going to be a great market day because I am Stalin and I say so. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this topic, but folks, whatever economic system we have, and, and I'm not sure it has a good definition. Some people call it a kleptocracy with an oligarchy on top. I'll call it a Sunday economy. You know, like in a Sunday, you got two scoops, some chocolate sauce, some nut sprinkles, and maybe a cherry on the top. Now imagine a shit Sunday, okay? Not a good Sunday, not a Sunday you would actually pay to have, but a Sunday you would be fed if you were like tortured. That is the kind of economic system we have, a big shit Sunday. A giant Sunday of shit 
with little rotten turds on the top. It's not free enterprise, folks. Now, is it centrally planned like the Soviet Union? No, it actually works a little better in a way. You don't predict or guess or say we'll have this many tractors in five years. No, what you do is you take one or two numbers and you, manip and you manipulate them. You, you, you decide, well, I can expand the monetary base or I can contract the monetary base. I can engage in Keynesian bullshit. I can do all kinds of big make-work projects. I can hire 10 million people, men and women, and all the genders and specificities of gender within the 58 duplicitous sexualities. And we can put them to work, digging ditches and then filling in the ditches. We can, all, we can do this shit. Anyways, um, all of that is, is not really good. All of that is essentially destructive. All of that destroys resources. A lot like war, which is essentially a giant fucking suck of nothing. A giant engine of destruction, which provides nothing but pain. And if pain is what you want, war is your Pez dispenser. Anyways, next topic. Bad touching. I had an incident at church yesterday. So, you know, I went to church yesterday, but hey, it's not that simple. I volunteered for the tech booth a while back. And even though in my dark, dark darkness, I can kind of say, Jesus, I'm taking Sunday off and I'm spending it with Leviathan and Rainier six pack and my volcano vaporizer. Even though I can do that, if I'm required to show up to help with the tech booth, I cannot skip church. I guess I'm not a total piece of shit. That being said, I was responsible for the lights yesterday, so I was at church. And one of the people I work with, a nice guy, just to preface this, I like him, he's a good guy. I would call him a friend in the sense that I'm trying to make more friends. But he has a habit of touching me on the shoulder, and it's one of those sideways touching things. So I need to explain some things. Like, I, I've met in person one of my listeners and who knows if I'm at all half-ass successful in my janky ass podcast I might end up meeting more listeners over time so whether it's listeners or any motherfucker who encounters me in life here's some things you need to fucking know about good old Uncle Dan there are ways in which you can engage with me physically that are okay for example if you and I approach each other, man or woman, I don't care who, and we're looking each other in the eyes and we approach each other and you put out your hand, your right hand, you know, like we're going to shake hands. Well, that's a good way to approach someone, okay? That's non-threatening. You make the eye contact. As the noble predator, you recognize you're not going to fucking gouge each other's eyes out. And as an honorific in a way to the ancient Romans, you're also letting people know you don't have a knife in your hand. That's nice. You don't have a knife in your hand. That kind of touching's okay because it's voluntary. Because it clearly involves agreement. There is no sneak attack. There is no kind of sideways bullshit. It is voluntary. That's okay. Hugging's the same way. 
If you walk up to somebody and you're looking each other in the eye and it becomes obvious that both people are going to be okay with the hug, because again, if you look the person in the eye, they got some time potentially to say, no, don't hug me. That's also maybe okay, but you got to be careful. However, if I'm sitting next to you and you take your right or left hand and you grab my shoulder sideways, that's called an angle of attack. And good old Uncle Dan doesn't like angle of attack, angle of attack touching. Here's the, here's the rule, folks. Angle of attack touching involves angles that you don't easily notice, which means they're sneaky. It's like a Joseph Biden sleazy ass pedophile bear hug. The reason why these Joseph Biden hugs are so nasty is because they come from an angle of attack. Okay? We're not, folks, you're not, we're not what you think we are. I don't care if you're a vegan or a vegetarian. You need to wake the fuck up. We all could eat tofu all the live long day, and we will still be the creature that eats the planet. We are not what you think we are. We are predators. We might be noble predators, but we are definitely apex predators. And as apex predators go, I hate to break it to you, other than bacteria, and I consider them an apex predator, oh, by the way, other than bacteria, we're number one. We're number one. And as complex creatures that are not cellular, not bacteria, we're number one, at least right now. The fact that we may have triggered the sixth great extinction means, you know, we're number one. We eat everything. So when you're thinking about good and bad touching, you need to remember shit like that. Okay? The reason why some people get pissed off, and I think there are women out there who may appreciate what I'm getting into, isn't necessarily being touched. It's being touched in a way that doesn't involve any voluntary compact, any agreement. You're sneaky Joseph Biden, so you come up from behind. No, Joe, that's what a rapist does. That's not what a human being does. That's not what a noble predator does. That's what a rapist piece of shit does. If I'm sitting next to you and I don't notice that you're about ready to touch my shoulder, I hate to break it to you, but I'm one of those people where I might fucking lose it. The fact that I was in church, the fact that I knew this person, the fact that he'd done it one or two times before, and frankly, it didn't annoy me enough to make it into a thing, although if he does it again, I'll probably have to explain, I'll probably have to give him the talk. <sighs> Any touching, in my humble opinion, unless it's between intimate lovers, unless it's between a man and a woman, Okay, because that's a whole nother fucking predatorial form of bullshit. I don't want to go into couples or coupling or relationships because they're a fucking black hole of nothing. And having a girlfriend, from my perspective, is a gypsy curse. That being said, unless you're in some type of loving and highly intimate relationship, any form of touching that comes from an angle of attack is bad. Okay? especially if it's a stranger, especially if it's somebody you just met, okay? It doesn't matter if it's a girl or a guy. I was working on a contract, okay? And I will say the name of the company because I just don't give a fuck at this point. It was Alaska Airways, and it was a fucking... And in some ways it was a... Well, in one way it was... Two ways it was a great contract. The money was good, 
and it was right it was literally at the end of the light rail so like basically my my fucking commute was pretty cool and the money was good but frankly other than that it was kind of a fucking it it was a puzzle palace of bullshit and my team leader i don't know if he was gay or not he might not have been gay he he gave off a gay a gay radar image but needless to say he was a fucking toucher and what's worse he was like joe biden he was an angle of attack toucher and he did it all the fucking time he did it to the point um with fucking asshole i'm not even going to say his name cuz i think that's wrong to do but this motherfucker did it to the fucking point that I contacted my project manager, the fucking consulting company, and an adjacent person who worked there um, in terms of being an employee. And I said, listen, this stuff is bullshit. What do I do about it? Because I want to keep the contract for right now. And it was just like, well, everyone knows he likes doing it. Nobody says anything. So, yeah. So one day... The toucher comes up to my cube. It's a Friday afternoon. I have some stuff I need to do. We're way ahead on shit. And in agile terms, I am blocking no one. So if you understand agile methodology, and I am telling you that I am blocking no one, it means literally I am blocking no one. Not only that, but in the previous few weeks, I feel like I'd saved their asses in a few ways. Like, I'd actually given them some free training on new technology that they themselves barely understood. And they were a lot of smoke and mirrors bullshit. That whole Alaska Airways place, oh my god. The whole employee getting free rides on planes bullshit, folks. There's some weird-ass creepy shit going on with the books at Alaska Airways. If I was going to investigate the books of an airline, <laughs> I would look at that company. That is a suspicion I cannot prove. I cannot prove. This is not investing advice. I cannot prove this. We live in a very crony economy. But I got to tell you, that whole internal employee program in Alaska, weird as fuck. That being said, um, yeah, this guy was, a, was an angle of attack toucher. And one day he comes to my cube. I'm not blocking anyone in terms of agile. I got my work all done. I'm doing good. It's Friday afternoon. And I, and I need to go take care of some problems at the bank. So I sent him an email. I got in there at 6 a.m. It was 1 p.m. If you do the math, that's pretty close to a full fucking day, especially if you either skipped lunch or ate lunch at your desk, which is what I was doing. He comes to my fucking cube and he says, Dan, I just really need you to be here, you know, today until 5 p.m. And I said, why? And he says, it doesn't, you don't need to know. And I said, and I said, okay. And he said, Dan, it bothers me that you, you have to ask why. And frankly, I think this guy grew up in China. He wasn't, he wasn't just Asian. I think he grew up in China. I know he was from China. So he's got that Chinese totalitarian bullshit mentality. And he simply wants to exert power. And he said, you know, Dan, I, I really need to do this. I'm being honest with you. You just need to stay till five. And, and here's the other thing too, folks. I was literally keeping honest books on my hours, which means literally they were getting their 40 hours a week from me, but probably paying 35. That's a whole nother interesting topic. This was a power move. So, so I said, are you being honest? Um, and he said, yeah, I'm being honest. Okay, so let me be so honest also. Don't you ever fucking touch me again. And I said that as loud as I could. I said, I don't know why you feel like you can do this. Just come to my cube and grab my shoulder or my arm. Don't do it again. Since we're being so fucking honest. 
And honestly, folks, I knew when I said that, that was my last day. Because here's the deal. These people, these quote-unquote people who talk about tolerance and open-mindedness and listening and diversity and multiculturalism, their shit only lasts up to a point. At the end of the day, they're just fucking tyrants. Okay? They don't want to be told that their bullshit is bullshit. They do not want to be told that they're fucking hypocrites. This motherfucker thought it was okay to touch me in a way that I thought was inappropriate. I'll let you on a little secret, folks. 50-year-old men who complain about bad touching at work, they don't get any lawyers helping them out. Nobody gives a fuck if your dignity is abused as a 50-year-old man. In fact, frankly, most of these motherfuckers would wish I was dead. All these H-1B visas, all these fucking Indian and Chinese programmers, when they see me, they kind of wish I was dead. That is the truth. You think there's some type of common stakeholder relationship there? No, there is not. Bad touching, folks, is bad touching. You can have whatever opinions you want to about it, but if you come up from behind me and I don't know you and you grab my shoulder, there's a 50-50 chance if I, if I have a knife in my hand that I will shove it into your fucking chest. So, if you ever touch me on my back or my shoulder and I don't know you, especially if, if, if it's after day zero, I don't really suggest you do that shit. What I suggest you do is say, hey, dude, how's it going? And then I turn around and say, hey, what's up? And then you show your right hand, and preferably both hands, that you don't have knives or guns in them, because there are lefties out there. Approach people from a stance of respect. Approach people from a stance of non-aggression, because we're predators, so we are almost designed to be aggressive. So you have to choose to be non-aggressive. Approach people from a voluntary perspective. That is how you touch someone you don't know. That's how you hug someone you don't know. That's how you kiss someone you don't know. That's how you shake their hand. You don't do it in a creepy way from an angle of attack. Lesson learned. And to, if, you, if any of you listeners remember me from Alaska and remember that Friday, I think it was September the 23rd, 20, yeah, 18. Yeah. September the 23rd, 2018. I have dates that I'll remember because there's so much bullshit involved with them. But yeah, if you remember that day that I told him to stop fucking touching me, you may have thought it was a joke. Like, haha, isn't it funny? Folks, I don't have much. I don't care. I don't care that I don't have fancy shit. I literally don't because I know I could have those things if I wanted them and I don't want them. But I do want my fucking dignity and it has no price. And I'm a 50-year-old man living in 2019. Exactly how many more fucking decades do you think I have? This 50-year-old white straight man in 2019. If the future keeps heading towards the um, social justice warrior up-the-butt yin-yang apocalypse of everyone being chipped and being degenderized. I don't want to live there. And if the future is the more likely scenario of chaos and madness and people running from roving thug armies, I'm not probably going to live long, and I've accepted that. 
So if you ask me, what is an hour of my time worth? This is really important, folks. It, it, this is part of understanding the mystery that is Dan. Why would Dan choose to work a third or half the year so he can spend the rest of the year in retirement state? Why would he do that? Because literally, an hour of my time is worth more than $30 an hour at this point. It really is. The market may not know that, and I don't give a fuck. I know that. I know that there is no clearing price. This is really critical because this is similar to the oil, the problem of marginal oil. So these two markets are very similar. Marginal oil and Dan are very similar at this point. There is no clearing price. There isn't. So what you end up with is a dysfunctional market. Oh, we're learning things. If I could work a job where I had any sense of dignity and purpose, then I might work the job for the last 15 years of my life. But if I only got 15 or 20 years left, and I gotta say rationally that's probably the case, why the fuck would I work your stupid ass social justice warrior, unifucking gender bathroom, goddamn transsexual bullshit reality? Why the fuck would I do that? Especially as a Christian. Why? So I can have your bullshit rubbed in my face every fucking day. And oh, by the way, to be treated by a double standard because God knows if I were a software engineering manager and I went up to some 25-year-old woman and started touching her fucking shoulders from an angle of attack or touching her arms from an angle of attack, yeah, I think I might have some fucking problems and maybe rightly so. But it turns out it is a double standard. It turns out there are some people who we can totally treat like shit now. And maybe that's all, that, that might be the truth of history. Like, maybe that's always been the case. And if that is the case, and you're on the, currently on the side of poking people when they're down, you got to be prepared. Those wheels turn. It's called the Thermidorian reaction. And if you don't know what the Thermidorian reaction is, I'm not going to tell you today. But the point is, those wheels turn, folks. You know, you will, you will be in this life... Um, shown the reflection of your kindness. You will. If you treat people like shit, I promise you, eventually, you will be treated like shit. If you treat people with kindness, I promise you, eventually, you will be treated with kindness. Those are your fucking choices. It's not perfect. But believe me, before day zero, before all this normalcy shit comes to an end, it's a hell of a lot easier to be kind right now than it's going to be in the future. So if you're postponing your kindness until you retire, I, I think you need to reevaluate where you're at existentially. Next topic, brace for impact. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe this fucking pop piano is wrong. I wish it didn't make noises when I flipped around. for impact. What does that mean? Why is Uncle Dan being so fucking cryptic about this, um...
Uh, hold on. Be patient, folks. Be kind and rewind. I've got to reorganize some notes here. While I'm doing this, I'll mention something. I'm supposed to do a, pro a podcast with a listener today, um, which means today could be a two-podcast day. <laughs> it's hobo Christmas for everybody that gives a shit, right? Um, today is hobo Christmas. Anyways, I'm doing a podcast with someone today, and the general subject of the podcast is uh, low-tech. Low-tech, and when I say low-tech, maybe that's the, not the right way to phrase it relatively low-tech approaches to storing energy. Now, the basis of the, the conversation, the starting place, is the dam. Okay, if you don't know how a dam works, a dam, essentially a dam is like a battery. And its recharge comes essentially from, you know, a river or a stream, and also just from the rain falling. Okay, so you collect water in a reservoir, that's your battery, that's your storage device. Okay, your storage device is the reservoir. And your dam that uses turbines, and sometimes a dam will use one of those old paddle wheels. There's many ways to to, to take advantage of the potential energy. Anywho, we're going to talk about things like this, ways of storing energy. Not generating energy, storing energy that are relatively low-tech, but potentially very resilient. And how can you take the concept of a dam and maybe abstract it, potentially even optimize it for environments where there's just not a lot of water. So we're going to talk about that. But the phrase brace for impact, what does that mean? When I fled Seattle in 2014 after my divorce, um, and I, I made this little silly documentary, which you can get to, if you go to my, you can't get there from mines because that's not there, but you can get there another way. But if you go to um, my website, dfgtc.org, or you get there from the link, it says videos on the SoundCloud homepage. There's a video from, I think I dated 2014. So you search the page 2014. And it has to do with me. Um, Traveling from Seattle to Chicago to Indianapolis ultimately because I was moving again. And this was right after my divorce. A few months. And it's in the video. I remember saying, you know, the reality of this move for all my fucking ire and bullshit that I'm throwing Seattle's direction and for all my fucking shaking my fist at Seattle, I'm probably just changing seats on an airplane. So when I got on the Amtrak ride to head east, I knew that in reality I was probably just changing seats on an airplane. And so when I say brace for impact, what do I mean? Well, here's the deal, folks. I am not a soothsayer. I am not a precog. I don't have any special powers of prophecy. 
In fact, truly, the only thing I can tell you is that most of my life, not all of it, but frankly most of it, I'd always had the sense of doom. Like, I, it's not a new thing. And, and in some ways, it's been building, okay? And I don't know how to interpret that. Like, I've had this generally foggy notion in the past that if something terrible happens, it tends to have ripples in time that go backward and forward. And some of these backward ripples are things that I think some people feel, but it's kind of intuition. It's hard to explain. It's not like seeing the future. It's more like feeling the afterglow of something fucking terrible. And maybe even something good. Great things can occur in history that are good and terrible, and sometimes both at the same time. I'm just being honest, folks. This is the reality of history. Things are not simple. Things are very rarely black and white. But what I will say is this, when it comes to big events, I think they're felt in the past before they happen. So a lot of people out there may be sensing that something big is coming. And right now I will tell you, I feel, I've felt this way for a few months now. In fact, I will tell you, there was a day um, back in August when my team leader, who's a nice guy at Willy Wonka's, for Willy Wonka's, he was an okay guy. For a blue badge at Willy Wonka's, I kind of liked him. And he said, you know, it looks like you're stressed out, Dan. And, and the thing is, this job that I took there, this contract, I truly believe what they said in the interview. They said it was 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. Period. That was the SLA. Not 24-7, not chaos, not madness. It's stable, Dan. It's 8 to 5. It's Monday through Friday. That turned out to be bullshit. The, the system was very unstable. It was a big ETL pipeline. It had all kinds of issues. And yeah, every few weeks you were on, on call, which was basically like being having to work 16-hour days for 14 days straight. And I got to tell you, as a 50-year-old man, it's not a question of whether do I have the energy to do it. It's way worse than that. I question whether I want to fucking do it at all. Like, no. You lied to me. You said one thing and the other. So this one day, my team leader looks at me and he says, Dan, you know, you, you need to take care of yourself for your brother. I made the mistake of talking to him about some, some stuff my brother had been going through. And I, I just thought to myself, you know what, dude? Maybe I should take your fucking advice. So the next day, I emailed the consulting company. I said I had to resign for health reasons. Really not a lie. Not a lie, really, because that being at Microsoft campus for me, I don't, this is going to sound like an exaggeration, but it's not. Imagine if Superman were a real person and you could build a city, but the thing about the city, all the paint contained traces of kryptonite. All the paint, the paint on the fucking buildings, the paint inside the buildings, all the fucking paint contained kryptonite. And you're Superman. I think going to work there would be hellish. I mean, you might survive every day because it's just paint and you don't have to touch it, but you're basically around this eternal glow of fucking dark bullshit and it's horrible and it makes you sick inside. That's what working at Microsoft does to me. It is a mound of bullshit that sucks my soul dry. What does brace for impact mean? It means, folks, that a few a few months ago, when that dude said that, my first thought was, Dan, 
All the fucking jingle bells are telling you the same thing right now. Normality, at best, has a couple more years. At best. We might, guys, we might make it. I, I don't think we will. I don't think normality. I'm not talking about little Greta Thunberg either. For all you folks, oh, dad, talking about global. No, I'm not. Believe me, if global warming were a problem and it was our only problem, that would be great, actually. We have so many fucking problems confronting human civilization at this point. Global warming's almost fucking irrelevant. It really is. Ten years from now, I don't think any of you will be living the life you're living today. And if you're going to bet upside or downside, I would wager downside. That's the truth. And that applies to me. My odds of being alive in ten years at this point, I think, are 50-50. Sorry, I'm simply being blunt. Okay? And, and frankly, even the crocodile that lies tells some truths. Okay, look at the fucking stats on life expectancy. Since 2017, they have been slowly going backwards for the United States. I'm sorry, that's actually a crocodile number, which means the real number is probably a lot fucking worse. In fact, probably the only thing keeping the real number from looking terrible is a lot of illegal immigrants. You know. Brace for impact. That is the best fucking advice I can give at this point. I was talking to my sister about this yesterday, like, what would you do if everything went to shit? And the general consensus is, how do you even know what to do, okay? A lot of preppers out there will say, well, I've prepped for everything. No, you haven't. If you live in a suburban environment and your definition of prepping is you, you know, bought a lot of storable food and put it in your you know, basement or in your attic, that's fine. Or maybe you buried it outside. I think that's great. But you haven't prepped for everything. And there are some things for which prepping is irrelevant. Like if there were a nuclear war, I don't care to live. In fact, if there were a nuclear war and I made it through the first day, but I was covered in fucking fallout, I would probably kill myself because I don't want to die of radiation poisoning. That is the truth. Why would I want to live in a nuclear holocaust world? I'm pretty certain Jesus Christ looks at you and says, you know, Dan... At this point, the entire earth has been salted. It's okay to decide to take off. You're slowly dying anyways, so it's not really suicide. That's the truth. So there are some things I don't care to be prepared for. And since I'm a 50-year-old man, and you ask me, Dan, if you're a wagering 50-year-old man in terms of probability and utility theory and what the expected outcomes are, which side do you wager on? The surviving the C-65 in the post-apocalyptic hellhole? Or the using whatever resources you have to enjoy whatever life you have while normality is still a fucking thing? Normality is still a thing right now. I can go to the store and get eggs. I'm sorry, folks. There's going to come a time in the not-too-distant future where it's going to be a two-stage thing. Stage one is you'll go get the eggs, and every day the price will increase in a way that's going to be really, really annoying. Stage two will be there'll be no fucking eggs. That is the outcome of a crack-up boom, and that is one of the scenarios we face, okay? It's not even the worst one. Brace for impact is the only good advice I can give anybody there is no clean 
part of the toilet bowl. The whole thing is filled with turds. The best you can do is find a crusty turd on the side of the toilet bowl and hold on to it during the flush. That's my advice, folks. That's the most brilliant, wise advice I can give you at the end of October 2019. Brace for impact. And it's not the first time I've given this advice. I've given it before. Finally, before we go, and I feel like I need to get the right thing going here. Yeah. Finally, before you before you go. Oh my God. Am I am I am I getting old or or have I been drinking too much beer? And is that a question to be answered? And is that a problem? I truly don't know. Finally, and, and in my own defense, I do these things improv after vaping weed, so I really don't think I should chalk any errors up to dementia. Finally, this last hour of the Little Saigon Report was brought to you by Fuyu and Little Saigon. Fuyu and Little Saigon has been open since... 2003. Fuyu has a simple philosophy. They hate Fu, but they live in Little Saigon. And everything's about Fu. Those fucking rice noodles with the fucking aftertaste. And, and no matter how well they're cooked, they always taste like runny, nasty snot. Fuh you and Little Saigon open since 2003 only sells cheeseburgers and other items, french fries, onion rings, but no fucking pho. If you come to pho you, you ask for pho, pho you, pho you at pho. In fact, at pho you, pretty much every single food item is named in such a way to be culturally offensive mainly to people from Vietnam. Pha Yu was opened by a Vietnam vet and he had his own philosophy. In the jungles of Vietnam in 1972, Sergeant Rickler DeGeneres he was known as the best tunnel rat in Company Alpha. One day he was caught by the North Vietnamese. He was taken to a camp and he was forced to eat pho. He was forced to eat nothing but pho. And he hated pho. So in 2003, he opened Fahyu. It has a simple philosophy. We will not serve pho. We don't like pho. If you like pho, pho you. If you 
like using gender-based pronouns. <laughs> and you expect we're going to do that at fuh you. Fuh you. If you think that, you know, somehow this is all insulting to some type of heritage bullshit, an ancient ghost that died a long time ago, fuh you. So if you're going out tonight on the town in Little Saigon, Seattle, you're looking for a good time with a good woman. You're looking to find some hearty chick from Joe's down by the fucking train station. You're going to take your hooker wife up here, up here to Little Saigon. You're going to load up your car with your hooker wife and your hooker children. Come to fuh you. Because the one thing you won't get... In addition to a lot of cultural Marxist bullshit, you will get nothing but disdain for fuh. And for those of you out there who have to go out on this Monday morning into the darkness, into the darkness that is the day, If it's your job to take a walk on the wild side now, if you have to get in your car and head to work, and I don't care where it is, maybe you work in one of those new cat factories out by Bothell. You know the factories that supply for White Castle and Jack in a Box? You know the factories where they send all the cats from the fucking shelter? So you go out to Bothell and, um, yeah. Have a great day, though. If you have to work at a cat factory, if you have to harvest cats or put cats in giant pressing machines to press cat juice for the wonderful, beautiful people of Belltown, Seattle, have a good attitude about it. Have a great fucking Monday, you fuck. <laughs>